Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. series called Called. That's the name. Turn to the person next to you and say, the series is Called Called. And uh, week one, uh, we talked about how we are called to care. Would you say that with me? Called to care. And I spoke about how we're to care first and foremost for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That's the people sitting right next to us. That's the person in the seat in front of us, behind us. And I looked at the parable of the, of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus said this, as you much as you did it for the least of your brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So when you're caring for the church, you're caring for Jesus. We are called to care. Week two was called to reach. Pastor Miles spoke last week via video preach, and he talked about how we are called to reach the lost, reach those people out there that don't know Jesus Christ. And he told a powerful story about how when he was young, he invited a whole heap of his friends from school or from uni, his surfing mates, to church. And they were sitting on the front row and they were chewing bubblegum like they'd never been to church. They didn't understand how church should happen. And the pastor stopped halfway during his message and he called out these young guys chewing bubblegum. He said, hey, you either stop chewing bubblegum or you can get out of the church. And, and I pray that our heart is never a heart where religion, where the way that things have to occur are more important than reaching the souls of people who don't know Jesus Christ. And Miles says that moment changed him where he said, let me please God, if I'm ever involved in ministry, be a person who always wants to reach the lost. And so that was a really powerful message. We are called to what? We're called to reach people. And so today I'm going to end our called series with a message called, with a message entitled, Called to Be a Neighbor. Would you say it with me? Called to be a neighbor. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you anoint these words as I speak? God, we want to hear from you, not from the words of men. Jesus, right now, speak to us in your mighty name. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The words will be behind me on the screen, and we're going to get straight into it. A bit of a long passage, but um, it's going to be a good one. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up, stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might and with all your soul and strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Would you say it with me? Who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him, compassion and care. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you. I will pay you back any other expenses you have occurred, which, and which, which you may have occurred. 
Jesus stopped and said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the one who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In this story, there's a legal expert and he comes to Jesus and he's seeking, how might I find my way to heaven? And he asked this question of Jesus and Jesus it doesn't answer it. He says, well, what do you think? Uh, you, you know the laws. You're an expert in the law. You're an expert in legal matters. What does the law say? And the man says, the law says this, love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. And, and, and he says that. And so Jesus says, yes, that's, that's what is actually written. But the expert, he says to Jesus, basically, hey, I'm okay with loving God, but who's my neighbor? He says, says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And the reason the expert asked that question is because of this. He was a Jewish person. He was an Israelite. And the Jews, the Israelites, they had this understanding that they were a special people. They were the chosen nation, the chosen men and women of God. And God had them and he, he, they were special in his sight. And so because of this, to the Jew, the person who was their neighbor was another Jew. It wasn't someone who was a Gentile. It wasn't someone who was a Samaritan. It wasn't someone who was a Greek or any of those types of people. It was an Israelite. So anyone who was not an Israelite, wasn't part of their ethnic group, wasn't, didn't have a nationality that wasn't Jew, Jewish, wasn't their neighbor. And this is what he's trying to say to Jesus. And the root of his question, who is my neighbor, to Jesus was a desire to exclude people not to include them. He's trying to find out, Jesus, who am I able to exclude from being my neighbor? And the sad reality is humanity has been full of this way of thinking. You only have to look back in the history books and see the wars that have been fought over different things, over different nationalities. You just have to look at the segregation that has occurred as recently as the 1960s and the 1970s. You look at the borders that have been closed off, the slurs aimed at people all because they were different than someone else. They looked different. They spoke different. They were from a different area. And I'm sad to say that even in the church, we've not been exempt from this. At times, there has been um, an exclusion rather than an inclusion of people to the church. And Jesus, he directly confronts this type of thinking that this legal expert is trying to lean into. He directly confronts uh, the, the answer or the thing that this man is trying to advocate. But he does it in a very Jesus way. I love the way that Jesus operates. He does it in a very Jesus way. How does he respond? He doesn't confront him head on or argue with him over matters of the law. Instead, he tells a parable. He tells a story. And I said in the first week of our core series that parables are not instructive. They're not prescriptive. But what they are is they're a way of us seeing the heart of God. They are stories that describe how the kingdom of God happens, how the kingdom of God works. And so he tells this story. There's a man going down from... Jerusalem to Jericho and he's on this road it's a windy road it's a, a narrow road I think we might even have a picture uh, we can put up on the screen of a the road to Jericho and so it looks this is this is part of the section from Jerusalem to Jericho it looks like that and then there's other sections where it's very narrow it's very easy for people to hide behind different areas and to jump out we have a couple of people from our church who went to Israel a couple of years back uh, and they did the Jesus walk and it's where they would have experienced this place here. And so it's whiny, big hills, narrow paths and, 
at the time of Jesus, it was always known, also known as the bloody path. And it was called that because it was a dangerous place where people were, 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 were robbed and people were attacked. And so this man, he's walking down to Jericho and as he does it, he's attacked by robbers, these criminals, these thugs, they strip him of his clothes, they take his possessions, they leave him for dead. He's in a bad state. He's in a bad way. He needs help. He needs someone to help him. Minutes pass, possibly hours, we don't know, but it says that along comes a priest, along comes a Levite. These are people from the church. These are like pastors. These are like people who are in ministry. They've said, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to serve your church. These are like our lead pastor, Pastor Ross, or like our executive pastor, Pastor Moss, uh, Miles, right? These are righteous men, holy guys. They're good men. They're pure. They represent goodness and holiness. And instead of helping this wounded man, they pass him by. It says that they stepped to the side and walked past him. They went along on their way and they ignored him and continued doing what they're doing. They saw a need, but they walked by. Saw this need for this man, but they walked by. And I think it's really easy for us 2,000 years later to hear this story, this parable that Jesus tells. And it's for us to say, these guys, these guys are bad guys. Like, why didn't they stop? Why didn't they help? Why didn't they, 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 they involve themselves in this man's life? I mean, they are the priest and the Levite. These are the guys that were used by God to instruct the nation of Israel about God. They were used in the temple to do all the things for Jesus. They're there for care for people, but they don't. And it's easy to get down on them, but you know what? In a lot of ways, we're the same. Like, like I hate to say it, church, but how many times have you seen a need but ignored it? And today, if I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself more. I'm looking in the mirror more and I'm saying, Bronson, how many times have you seen a need in someone's life? And you've been like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to continue on on my way. I'm going to be like the priest or the Levite. And maybe today, it's not just me asking that question to myself. Maybe as a church, maybe as an individual, you need to ask that question too of yourself. See, here's the thing. They may have had good excuses. They may have valid reasons. They may have been like, hey, I'm on my way to church, you know, like I can't be late. I I, I can't be late. I'm speaking there. They might have said something like, I'm on my way to a business appointment. I'm catching up with my bank manager. Don't you know I'm buying a property? Uh, Something along those lines. They might have said something like this. Hey, I don't have space in my life right now to get involved with this person with their drama, with everything that's going on in their life. I just don't have the, the headspace or the mental or the emotional uh, uh, ability at the moment to get involved. Maybe they said something like this. Hey, hey, can we get a doctor? Like, we need a medic in the house because someone, someone needs to look after this person. Like, this is not my expertise to, to heal, you know, to look after someone's wounds. Can we get a doctor? Like, this is not for me. This is someone else to look into. And those excuses they have, they sound a lot like the excuses that we can make. It's very quiet in here this morning. They sound like the excuses we make. I'm too busy. I don't have the time. I don't want to get involved in someone else's life and the issues that they're going through. You know what? I'm just going to leave it to someone else who's more qualified. Or maybe someone else will come along and look after what this person is going through. And here's the thing, church, that I am so thankful about. That I am so grateful. I am so grateful that Jesus, he saw humanity and he didn't respond. He doesn't respond the way that we sometimes respond. He saw us and he said, I'm going to step into their world. Along comes the Samaritan. And you need to understand the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. 
The Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a bunch of people who at one point in time were Israelites. They intermingled with the, with the local um, um, ethnic groups, the local groups of people. They, they didn't actually go, when, when Israel was, went into exile with the Assyrian nation, they didn't actually go into exile. They stayed where they were. So the Jewish people, they looked down on the Samaritans. They didn't like them. Uh, they didn't consider them a neighbor. They didn't consider them friends. They weren't someone they would go out of their way to do business with. They definitely wouldn't do their life with a Samaritan. And yet, the Samaritan man comes along and he is the one, Jesus says, that has pity. He's the one who has compassion. He's the one who, feels, who shows mercy towards this wounded man. And he inserts himself into his neighbor's life. He inserts himself into the situation and Jesus says to the legal expert, which is the neighbor? Which is the neighbor? He says, come on, out of all these three, these three men, the, Le- the priest, the Levite, the, the Samaritan, which was the neighbor to the man who was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road? And the expert, he gets it. He realizes it wasn't the ones of the same race, the same background. He realized it wasn't the ones who, who, who uh, had the same religion, had the same upbringing, had the same social standing. He realized that no, the neighbor was the one who stopped to care, stopped to reach, stopped to help. The neighbor was that person. In church today, we are called to care. We are called to reach. We are called to be a neighbor to the world that is around us. Three simple thoughts on being a neighbor today. If you're taking notes, write these down. Uh, we're going to lock the door. You can't get out of here today unless you get three notes um, or you can pay. No, we won't do that. I knew you, I knew you were listening to me. One, number one, being a neighbor interrupts us. Being a neighbor interrupts us. Everyone's busy, right? Like, everyone's busy. We're all doing things, right? We've got things happening in our lives. And I'm going to be really honest with you. When I wake up on a Monday morning, the first thing that goes through my mind is not that I'm going to be a neighbor to someone today. Like, like I know your world is blowing up right now. You're astounded. You're like, what? Pastor Bronson? I thought, that's, I thought you were all about that just 24-7. That's not the first thing that comes into my mind when I wake up in the morning. The first thing that comes into my mind is getting dressed Making sure that my son Roman is dressed. He's five years old. He's just started school this year. Making sure he gets his lunch and he's had some breakfast. Uh, it's making sure that I've spent some time with God in devotion. And then I'm thinking about my calendar. What have I got on today? And then like any parents here, if, you can, if you've got young children now, you can remember back. You, you've got to drive to school. And it's like, am I going to find a car park close by? Or do I have to park long distance away and walk there? All these things. Come on, you think like, what's your morning routine? that you go through, yeah? Then I think about, I got to get home. As I'm going home, I better buy Gabby a coffee. Because if I don't do that, she's going to be upset with me for the rest of the day. So I'll buy her a coffee on the way home. And then I'm thinking about work and what I have to do. And all these things are going through my head. And I'm sure they're going through your head too, right? Let's, let's be real today, church. They're going through your head. They're what you're thinking about. They're what's, what's going through your life. And that's normal. Like, that's life. That's normal. That's how we live life. Live your life as it is, but be ready for an interruption to your life. Be ready for a divine interruption. A divine interruption is God directing you to be someone's 
neighbor. See, you'll only hear it if you're ready for God to direct you. You'll only recognize it if you're allowing your life to be spirit-led by the Holy Spirit. And I know uh, back in our what, what, um, what, How, Who series, which was like maybe four or five weeks ago, I spoke about divine interruptions. But the reason I'm speaking about it again is because it's so important to our lives. See, the Samaritan has a divine interruption in his life when he encounters the wounded man on the, on the road. And the Bible doesn't say whether he was a believer or not, or he had a relationship with God. But in the moment, he had a chance. His life was interrupted. This is not the usual. He had a chance. He had an opportunity to make two decisions, get involved or not get involved, act or not act. And in my own life, I've had divine interruptions where I've just been doing my life and then God has interrupted my life. And I've been at service stations. I've been on job sites with construction workers. I've had tradies in my home. I've been at the airport on an aeroplane. I've been walking down the street and God has interrupted my life and I've encountered some person and just in some way I've been talking to them about their life, what they're doing and I've been able to tell them about Jesus Christ and pray for them. And these are God, divine interruptions in my life to these people. But most divine interruptions for me, most of them and for us, are very simple. They're simple. See, they're like this. Spending more time with someone than you are going to because you just sense that God wants you to spend more time with them. It's remembering someone and a situation they're going through. And instead of just thinking about them, it's picking up the phone. It's calling them. It's sending them a text message. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm praying about you. It's being in the workplace or on, out in the sporting field or, or, or with your children and just remembering someone and pausing and praying for that person because you know what they're going through. See, your divine interruptions might be just something way out of the ordinary or it could be something very, very simple. But we need to be listening for divine interruptions, big or small. Being a neighbor interrupts us. Number two, being a neighbor costs us. Say it with us. Say it with me. Being a neighbor costs us. It costs the good Samaritan to help this man. Time, effort, money to be a neighbor to the injured injured man. It says that he dresses his wounds. He puts oil on him, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn. He gives him two denarii. It's roughly two days wages. He gives to the innkeeper to look after uh, this man. He says to him, hey, listen, here's my credit card. Any other expenses that you occur to to help this man to recover from his injuries, just put it on there. I'm going to come back and see how he's going. He, He does all these things. There's a cost to being a neighbor, to loving someone as we love ourselves. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take money. It's going to take emotional and mental energy. And here's, here's the thing. We, we look at this and we look at someone and what they're going through and we look at the situation and, and we're talking about cost, costing us. And we, and we ask ourselves this question, what will it cost me? What's it going to cost me, God, if I'm going to involve myself in this person's life, if I'm going to be a neighbor to this person? But the Good Samaritan... In many ways, he's a better Christian than we are at times. He, he flips it on his head. He flips the question on his head. And instead, he asks this, God, what is going to happen to that person if I don't act? He says, God, what will happen to him if I don't get involved in his life, if I don't pay the cost? And the Good Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. 
Jesus didn't see the cost to himself. He saw the cost to us if he didn't act. See, he saw two alternative futures for you and I. He saw one alternative future where we were spent eternally separated from God in a place that we call hell, in torment and in pain. And then he saw another future where we would be in eternity with Jesus Christ. We're experiencing God in our lives, in humanity. Yeah, come on, give God some praise right now, today in this place. And one had no cost to Jesus but a great cost to our eternity. And one had a great cost to Jesus and no cost to us, but a fantastic return for our future. And Jesus didn't count the cost. He saw the cost to us instead. And he takes us from a place of danger and despair and hurt. And he brings us to a place of safety, hope and healing. Jesus inserts himself into your world and the great thing about Christ is that he not only comes down to earth he comes down from heaven to right where we are he also pulls us up and he invites us to heaven to uh, to be with him to rule to be in his kingdom with him forever being a neighbor interrupts us being a neighbor costs us and thirdly and finally being a neighbor changes lives the keys could come Being a neighbor, what? Changes lives. If you read the Gospels, which are the first four books of the Bible, uh, of the New Testament in the Bible, and you may have heard the names Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read the Gospels, which give the account of the life of Jesus Christ, they talk about his teachings, they talk about his disciples, they talk about how he went to the cross and all those things that he did. You'll notice something. Jesus was always being interrupted. He was always being interrupted. Everywhere he went, there were people asking him to heal them. Everywhere he went, there were parents asking him. You read the scriptures to heal, uh, to, to, um, to pray for their children that were demon-possessed. Everywhere he went, there were people asking him to, to, to heal uh, paralyzed people, to restore sight. He, everywhere he went, there were people asking Jesus to remove, remove my leprosy. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's people inviting, him to their, inviting Jesus to their house. The outcasts of society, the dregs of society, the, 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 the top leaders in society, the, the, the religious people, they're inviting him to his house for parties and to have dinner. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's people challenging him about the law, trying to entrap him, trying to catch him out, trying to prove him. Everywhere he goes, he's encountering people. He's, he is being interrupted. But Jesus, Jesus, he doesn't ignore the people. He doesn't just continue on. He's not like the priest and the Levite who just passed by. Jesus leans into these opportunities, these divine interruptions sent by God. He he leans into them and he he gets involved in people's lives to care for them, to to, to reach them, to be a neighbor. And I know it sounds a little bit strange to call Jesus a neighbor, to say he was like a neighbor. Can I just tell you, he was like that. He was someone who cared when no no one else cared. He was someone who paid the cost when no one else could pay the cost. He was someone who didn't count the cost when that's all that others were doing. The question is why? Why Jesus? Why did you love us like you loved the presence, being with God the Father and the Holy Spirit? Why, Jesus, did you do that? Jesus knew His mission was about others. Why did he do it? Because Jesus knew his mission was about others. Today, church, being a neighbor is about other people. 
being a neighbor is about other people, the people in our lives, the people that have been brought into our lives. It changes their lives. Number three, being a neighbor changes lives. But can I tell you something today? It not only changes their life, it changes your life. It not only changes their life, it changes your life. And I've shared this story before, but I just want to share it briefly. A few years back, I was helping a, a young guy who joined our church and he was seeking and he was looking for answers and his life was a bit of a mess and he had mental health issues that he was facing and lots of stuff going on in his life. And I just spent time with him and he was genuinely looking and just telling about Jesus. And I spent so many hours on the phone with this guy and so many catch-ups and coffee and just talking to him and just doing life with him and getting involved with what he was doing. And he was in a bad place, church. He needed Jesus. And I'm so glad to say that he met Jesus. He encountered Jesus. God came into his life, transformed him, changed his life. But can I say something, church? It changed my life. changed my life because when you see God move in someone's life when you have a divine interruption see my, my I'm, I was busy I, I had stuff to do I, I, it cost me time and effort and money to be with this guy I mean, like he, he, he was he, it was I was in over my head but when you see God come into someone's life change their life miraculously, pull them out from where they are, set them on a new path, make them a new creation. It not only changes their life, it changes something inside of you. And you're standing there before God and you say, God, wow, you did it for me, but God, you're doing it for this person. Being a neighbor changes our life. My life was changed through his life changing, but it changed me. The transforming power of God when you're a neighbor, when you're journeying with someone, it changes you. And can I say this morning, this is not just something that is a dispensation for pastors or people in ministry. It is exactly the same for you. And I know that there are men and women in this church and you have spoken in a people's life. You've been a neighbor to someone and you've not only seen change in their life, you've seen something change in your own life. You're like, God, wow. If you've spent time sharing your faith with someone who doesn't know Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. You you go away from him and say, God, wow. God does a miracle in two lives when we allow ourselves to be neighbor. He does a miracle in that person's life and he does a miracle in our lives today, church. Changes them and he changes us. And being a neighbor, it interrupts us being a neighbor. It casts us being a neighbor. It changes lives. And as I close today, I want to be like that legal expert. I want to say, who's our neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor today, church? And the answer is very simple. Every person that we meet in our lives is someone who is our neighbor. Every person that we meet is someone potentially that God has put in our lives for us to be a a neighbor. See, our neighbor is the person who looks like us and also the person who doesn't look like us. See, our neighbor is the person who shares the same values that we have or who has values that are totally opposed to our values. 
See, our neighbour is someone who believes in the same religion we do, a Christian uh, like we do, or there's someone who is the Hindu or the Buddhist or, or, or a Muslim. They're our neighbour. They're our neighbour, those people. See, everyone we meet, Jew, Gentile, Roman, foreigner, everyone is your neighbour. Everyone we meet. Potentially someone is God. Someone God has put in our path for us to be a neighbour too. To, to be interrupted. To, to pay a cost, to, to change their life, to care for them, to reach them, to love them as yourself. And today, can I, just, can I just slip this little encouragement for us today as well? Can I just slip this little thing in just as well? Today as a church, we're called to be neighbours to the people in our church as well. And if you've been in our church for a long time, I want to encourage you, you're called to be a neighbour to the new people who are joining our church. Can I say to you today, don't be like the priest or the Levite that passes by the new person and says, oh, someone else will say hello to them. Can you be like the good Samaritan and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to say hello to that person. I'm going to be like a neighbor. Can I say to you, it makes a massive difference to someone who's just joining a church. See, a lot of us have been in church for so long, we don't know what it's like to find a new church. We don't know what it's like to go into a place and for some reason no one wants to talk to you. I praise God that that's not what I believe is the experience here. But if you're new here today and that's your experience, I, I just want to say, I am so, so sorry. I pray that it's not. But for us who are members of this church, I want to encourage you, maybe even challenge you. Would you get out of your comfort zone? I'm not just talking about our neighbours out there on the street. I'm talking about the new neighbours that walk through those doors. Would you get around them and say, hey, how are you going? Man, and especially if they've been to church a few times, you can't just say, oh, I don't know who that, but come on, just say hello to that person. Get around them, be welcoming, inclusive, friendly, caring, loving to those in our church family. Jesus sends the parable of the Good Samaritan with this encouragement. And I want to end my message today with this encouragement. Luke 15, 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I want to encourage us this morning, church. Let us go and do likewise. Let's not just sit here today. Let's not just hear a message uh, that has been preached. Let's, let's not just let the Holy Spirit speak to us, but then we just stay where we are or we just step to the side or we just ignore. Let us go and do likewise like Jesus said. How might our church be different if we were a go and do likewise people? How might someone's life that you know be different because you said, hey, you know what, God, I'm going to go and do likewise. I'm going to be a neighbor. I love you, God, with all my heart, but I'm going to love others as much as I love myself. I'm going to be the neighbor, that person. Maybe tomorrow at work, you're going to meet someone. And maybe during the week, Wednesday, Thursday, a friend's going to call you. You haven't spoken to her for a while. Maybe you're going to meet a new person at the footy on Saturday or whatever it might be. And God prompts in your heart. Hey, there's a divine interruption here. See, it's going to interrupt your life. See, it's going to cost us, but it's going to change people's lives. And you never know, it might just change your life. Let's pray today. Lord God, I thank you this morning. Jesus, today in this place, I pray that we would be a neighbor. We would be neighbors, Jesus. We would be a neighbor, Lord God.